Welcome to the Carmed Rebels podcast. I'm Jenny Field. I'm Advita Patel. And I'm Trudy Lewis. Today, I want us to talk about hybrid working and the impact it has on women and underrepresented or underestimated, is the word I'm trying (laughs) to use these days, groups. Because I read a really interesting article, which I'm sure many folks probably came across in Forbes, about the impact hybrid working is having on women in particular, this article was aimed at. And it really made me think about what our organisation's doing to support people who are choosing to work from home more than being in the office. And research has shown that it's more women and more underrepresented groups who are choosing to work from home because that is a space where they feel more comfortable and it aligns with their lives and work, you know, the the caregiving responsibilities that most people tend to have, most women, and that's research to say that. So I want us to have a conversation about what do we need to do in organisations to make sure there's no bias when it comes to hybrid working, because I've already started to hear little snippets of things that are happening to individuals who are not in the office as regularly as other people, where they're missing out on opportunities because they're not as visible and they are not being given the kind of, they're not getting the, I suppose, interaction and the sense checking that you would get if you were sat opposite your manager, for example. And I think for leaders, it's probably about what are we doing to make sure that our bias is not having any detrimental effect on people who are not in our uh, line of vision? And I think things have changed quite significantly since the pandemic. I think it has meant that people haven't really worked in an environment yet. They haven't really sorted out yet, I think. And I know we've spoken a lot about hybrid working. And I know it's a a topic I know, Jenny, you've spoken a lot about Mm -hmm. because... I know you've got this thing, it's it's not hybrid, right? It's always kind of existed. But I think it is about now people are putting in the processes and the procedures and all the policies around this. Now, I think the catching up slowly is what can we do as business people and communicators and, and the responses we have as leaders to make sure that women and underrepresented people are not ex- being further excluded from opportunities um, intentionally or unintentionally, right? And, and this is this is a kind of conversations I want us to have because I'm going to read some stats out to you, which kind of this is what got me a little bit worried. So apparently, when pandemic first started, um, almost um, women left the workforce at four times the rate than men, and a third of the women who left or lost their jobs during that pandemic have not returned to work. And then when the question was asked about returning back into in-person work, 19% of the women said they never wanted to return into in-person work and only 7% amended. So there's already, you can see the gap forming already in in that. Um, And and then the LinkedIn survey found that women are 26% more likely than men to apply for work remotely. And other research found that women want to work from home 50% more than men among graduates with young children. So you can see that you can see the data is kind of showing us there's, there's going to be a bigger gap. And if you if you look at what's going on already, I do a lot of work in this space about representation and having the you know equality and equity in organizations. If this trend continues, it's quite obvious that the organization is going to have to make it 
a, a super effort to make sure they don't exclude more than there probably are already. So I just want to get thoughts, conversations, what, you know, what's going on in your world and what have you noticed or seen? So I'll go to Jenny first because I know she has great thoughts about hybrid working. (laughs) (laughs) I know she has an opinion. Um, So this is interesting because I do have great thoughts about hybrid working and I won't go into them in in huge detail because we've covered it on a previous episode. (laughs) Um, but, But I don't believe that... Uh, we should call it hybrid working. I think this is an opportunity to revolutionise how we work and how work and home and everything comes together. And it's actually the pandemic revolution, as I call it, which is an opportunity. But that's a whole other podcast episode that we'll we'll pop a link to. <laughs> what was making me do a kind of sort of pondering face as you were talking was a conversation I had fairly recently with um, somebody that I would say has has quite a strong awareness of what's going on in in the sort of recruitment sector was that more women than ever are applying for roles because of the flexibility that's now being offered by organisations. And that actually their perspective was that it's created huge opportunity for women to have uh, jobs that they probably couldn't have had before because of the flexibility that's being offered. And I think that's true. I 100% think it's true, but it's what happens to those women when they're in those positions. So so your so your point is more if, if you've got this flexible role and you don't have to be in the office all the time but you're working at, at home you're then not as visible and therefore you're not going to get the opportunities or to you're progress. not going to get everything that okay so, it's so, all about it, the, so, yeah. so that's a much longer term so yeah. at the moment what we're seeing then is that short term spike of probably people having more flexible roles and but then that has to that has to translate into fundamental changes in organizational structure rhythm processes to make sure that the organisation is inclusive, giving people choice, um, is doing all the, all the things that it should be doing. Um, and, and that, I think, is going to take us a while to see the impact of that and whether organisations will do that or not do that and kind of the impact that will have. Because I don't, I, I, I do completely appreciate the whole, if you're not visible, um, then you don't get the same opportunities. And it always makes me think about smoking at work, which I don't, obviously, don't, well, obviously, you wouldn't know. Um, I don't <laughs> smoke <laughs> anymore. But I used to smoke and going down to the smoking area was quite a big, big place where you'd kind of, you know, catch up with people. Yeah. There's a great Friends episode where um, Rachel and Friends, it sort of takes up smoking so she can go and be out with her boss so she doesn't miss out on opportunities. And that's, that's a, you know, a humorous example of how you can be ignored if you're not in the places that people are where those decisions are being made. And that's essentially what this is about mm-hmm. is, is being front of mind, being in those places, being someone that's being discussed and, and talked about if positions are coming up, regardless of whether you're at home or in an office to some degree. And that to me comes down to processes inside an organisation that are robust enough to make sure that it doesn't matter where you are, that it's about the out, you know, the outcomes of the work that you're doing and the output and what you're delivering. I agree. And I think it is about mind. But I think the challenge I'm seeing is that even though we know what the right thing is to do, right? So what you just said is about putting the right processes in place, it's making sure that you... <laughs> I've just solved it. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> it's making sure that you put the right, you know, you have these regular conversations with people at home, you do all of that stuff. But what I'm experiencing and what I'm hearing from the community, which, you know, I do have a big community around unrepresented people and women, is that they get the opportunities and they go at home and they're working really well, but they don't get the opportunities often to 
demonstrate their skills further and to get that stretch okay. and to get you know like you just said like in the in the olden in the olden, in the days. olden days <laughs> you know you were rewarded for um you know if you went to the bar after work or you worked late or you know I remember sitting in an open plan office and the director's coming and go Advita can you come into this meeting with me right now we need some help like those in the moment things that you may have not got the opportunity when you're working at home because you're working at home you've got a set of tasks and when you ring people and you go on teams or you go on whatever zoom or slack you're, you're talking about that specific objective you need to deliver against, right? You, yeah. You, it's those moments, I think, that build those relationships from individuals in organisations that get you to kind of get the experience, to get promotions and to explore further opportunities at executive level, which is already a challenge for women and underrepresented people. And the fear I have, and I'm sure it's a fear that other people have spoken about, is that if you're not visible and you're not in the moment and people aren't walking past your desk and saying, oh, can you come into the meeting? Then how do we make sure that the biases don't play a part? Trudy. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just going to solve everything right now. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, I think it's about a, a, a game of catch up and a game of catch up on both sides, because you've got on the one hand, you've got the organization that needs to put the structures in place. Many times what they do is they put in um, half a strategy. So they've got like the DEI strategy, you know, put something in place. We're trying to be equal and we're trying to include everybody, but we haven't thought through the impact that it's going to have on other people or how it's going to affect things like opportunities and like that interaction piece. Um, and unfortunately, then you've got the added dimension of remote and, you know, all of the things that come with that. So it's, it's a, we haven't thought through our policy thing. And I think that's some of what Jenny was saying around, you know, they need to have their policies, they need to have their structure, they need to get into a rhythm. The individual also needs to do that. And I think there are, there's, there's probably a responsibility on the organization's part to come up with creative ways for that person to be engaged and involved and so on and to take up the opportunities. But also um, the individual needs to come up with creative ways that they are going to make show up. Because in the same way that you rock up, um, I know you gave that example of um, friends, but it happens in real life. You know, you, you want to talk to somebody senior you rock up to where they hang out. It might be a coffee shop. It might be that they're having coffee and you go and find them and doorstep them there. Um, If you're not in the moment, you can't do it. But it's to find a creative way to make sure that you can do those types of things. Um, And I think that needs to somehow be built in from both sides because it is, it's it's a challenge. Um, And if you're an introvert as well as, you know, I'm staying at home and I'm, I'm working from home, I'm underrepresented, I don't feel comfortable, you'll just disappear. And people people will forget that you're there simply because there's part of it that's comfortable for you as an individual. You've kind of set this, this place up to say, do you know what? I feel comfortable here. I'm doing my work, I'm delivering, you know, and so on and so on. Whether or not that gets recognized in the same way, we don't know. Um, I think the organization needs to put mechanisms in place so that it can be recognized that you're you're getting on with stuff and so on and to make provision for those types of people so that they are included Mm. um but then on the flip side i I really do think that the individual also has to think of well how am i going to navigate this new world where i am 
you know, I'm, I'm working from home, I'm working remotely, I've got the flexibility, but now I'm not being seen by my colleagues and my boss and, and the people that matter. And I'm not hearing of the opportunities that are happening. There's a heck of a lot of networking that that individual needs to try and find a way to do, um, to have those conversations with people. Because even things like things that you've heard that are going on, you know, or oh, this promotion's mm-hmm. coming up or this situation's coming, this project's coming, and you don't get to hear about it because you're at home. And it's how am, how am I going to try and show up and be present so that people can pay attention to me and include me? Yeah. I really like what you said then about being comfortable. And I, and I don't mm. know how that sort of plays out, but but if you want to grow and you want to have opportunities, you have to step out of your comfort zone to do that. A little bit, yeah. You know, not into discomfort. You know, that's different. I think it was Priya that talks about, I don't want to take you to discomfort, but I want you to be a bit uncomfortable. And I use that quote from from Priya a lot. But um, you, you can't be comfortable all the time if you want to go for those opportunities. And I think there is something about and I'm not saying this is the case at all, but kind of waiting for things to come to you mm. because I'm in a place of comfort doesn't work for anybody. You know, if I was sat in an, if I think back to working in an office, I could have, and I worked on the ground floor of a five floor building for a while, I could have come in, sat on, at my desk, emailed everybody, not gone and talked to anybody, come in and out of that office every day and not gone and, and talked to anybody because that would have been, could have been comfortable for me and that could have been how I wanted to do things. But if I did want to progress and explore that, then I would have to do things differently in order to achieve that. And I think that's the same regardless of anything that you want to go for in life. I think you have to push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone. Mm. But you also need encouragement to do that. Yeah. And I think the comfort element... Do you? You do. You do. Because you don't, I if think you don't a feel bit. safe. If you don't feel safe... But to, that's different. So that's... Because safe if, is different. If the reason people hold themselves back, in my opinion, and it's because they don't feel encouraged enough to do that. So when you when so when you feel like you are not being accepted for who you are yeah as an individual and you are being judged for whatever reasons right you will hold yourself back and stay in your little bubble because it's comfortable to your point and it's also safer for yes. them to stay there and this is why i think a lot of underrepresented people in particular and i'm talking about race in specifically here because when people of color are instantly judged right whether mm. you are um, whether you have the, everyone has a bias right and people will instantly judge you because of the, it's the one thing that it stands out your colour of your skin and you are quite obvious it's quite obvious to somebody of colour that you're different than the majority of people in that room and if that environment in that room doesn't like doesn't allow you to be who you need to be and you get the feeling because you do get a feeling right you do get it you will hold yourself back mm-hmm. and just think if I put myself forward here, people might think I'm being aggressive because that's the word that gets associated to Mm -hmm. black women in particular. Or if you don't put yourself forward as a South Asian woman, it's because she's submissive and quiet and she'll just do what's been told of her. So you create these stereotypes, you have these stereotypes based on other people's behaviour. So what you end up doing is going, working from home, being invisible to an extent and doing your own little thing. And if you don't get, if you don't have a line manager, I've been very privileged in my career where I've had line managers and leaders who have completely supported my ambitions to grow and develop as a leader and have put me forward for opportunities, even when I have felt I wasn't quite ready for them or, you know, and that was my own insecurities and imposter syndrome that led me to believe that. And it was my leaders who pushed me 
gently into that space. And sometimes when you are a woman and when you are an underrepresented person, you need that nudge, you need that reassurance and dare I say it, validation. And you know how I feel about validations, but you do need that validation sometimes. And if, you, if you've got a leader or a line manager who's quite happily letting you just crack on because they think, you know, I, you know I've, I've spoken to line managing leaders that I don't like to micromanage, which is fair. I don't, you know, I, I trust them to crack on with it, which is fair. But also recognising as a leader and line manager, what can I do to help that individual thrive and develop and move forward, whether they're in the office or whether they're at home? And mm. if you're feeling that you're not getting anything from them, yeah. then the question is in your one-to-ones that you should be having on a frequent basis, where do you want to go and how do we get you there? And I think your line manager does have to nudge you. And not everybody, I think, has the um, the get up and go, like you just said. You know, you have mm. to kind of push yourself because they feel like they're not worthy of having that opportunity. So they just believe that they're just going to stay there because no one's ever given them that nourishment or nurturing to get to that space. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I oh, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 a bit torn. I'm a little bit torn as well. And 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 the only reason why is because. Um, I do think they there needs to be something in place to almost open up that encouragement or to make that encouragement easier easier on the side of the organization. But then you're going to get um a little bit of pushback from, from the average employee who says, Well, I'm I'm coming out. Uh what special treatment do I get? It's not special treatment. No, but that's it's how it will be. Not no, but that's treatment. how it will be perceived. No, but you've got to be fair with everybody. No, no, I know I'm not that. saying that you just go to women or you go to underrepresented people and behave that way. Fair enough. You should be like that with every colleague. And yeah. this is where it gets becomes tokenism. Yeah. If you are just being, oh, I'm just going to speak to, because I've got three women in my team, I'm just going to focus on them because that's where all the focus is. Mm. Then that is when tokenism comes in. You have to acknowledge that sometimes women and underrepresented people may need a little extra nudge because they've got all sorts of trauma covering whatever's gone in their lives. So you may need to push them a bit more. And you have to acknowledge and be aware of that as a leader, mm. but it's not about unfair treatment in that way. So everybody should have equal opportunities to access certain things, but yeah. some for equitable reasons, you may need to push some people further and yeah. give them an extra helping hand. And this is where I come back to the incomplete DEI strategy. It's as simple as, because at the end of the day, an organisation has not they haven't thought it through. They haven't thought through, well, how do I then fairly engage all the different audiences so that there is that fairness across the board, whether it is your in-house, remote, or whatever you're doing flexibly, so that every single employee gets treated the same way. So I think the the the, the biggest challenge is that you need to look at your policies and your strategies to, in, to be more inclusive. It can't just look at one angle. I think the added dimension is the hybrid type of working where, you know, maybe we weren't expecting to deal with that. So we've got our policy. We know that we're trying to be fair to everybody, but we're not quite that fair with everybody. Um, because you're right. I do think that people who are at home need a little bit of a nudge sometimes to to get out there. Because if you're if you're at home and you're working, and this is for anybody who is there doing that, the, the, the likelihood that you're going to get so comfortable that you don't even bother, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just get, I'm happy. I'm, I'm in my happy place. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm able to interact. I'm doing my work, you know, cause it doesn't mean that you're not conscientious about your work. You're doing your work, you're delivering so on. However, I'm not being included. And the, the likelihood of you staying there yourself without, you know, even if you were the person who would be proactive, 
you still have that tendency that you'd be like, do you know what? I'm comfortable. I'm not going to, I can't be bothered. I won't bother to make the effort. So I think well, the the mechanism has to be in place, but there has to be something from your part as well. There has to be a two, there has to be a two way street, definitely. But there also has to be, like I said, a recognition on, there has to be an understanding. Why is that person behaving in that way? Yeah, that's true. Why is that individual? Like when you look at your data and insight in your organization and see applications are coming from one type of individual, one type of gender group or one type of sexual, whatever. As a leadership team, you have to be honest with yourself and go, what is happening in this organization? Why are we only attracting one type of character? And there will be something going on. It'll be behaviors. It'll be the way you, you, you write your comms. It'll be the way you recruit. Mm. It'll be all of that. It'll be all of that. And you have to kind of be open to thinking, you know what? I've got some really talented people in my team who yeah. are not putting themselves forward for opportunities. I need to sense check and find out what is happening there. Mm. And if it is true, to your point, I don't want to do it, which fair, fair point. Some people don't want to progress and people are happy continuing and that's okay. You have to be confident as leader that you've asked them the right questions to get so they have the fair mm-hmm. chance to apply for opportunities and not they're not the forgotten lot. And yeah. I think the danger is when we're so busy and there's so much noise around us, that preference will be given to people who who will align with you. So if you're a leader who goes into business all the time and is in the office frequently and other people around you, then your bias will be with them. Mm. If you're a leader who works from home quite frequently, then likelihood is that your bias is going to be people who work from home. So it, same applies the other way around as well. So if you, you know, if you're going to the office and your leader isn't present and isn't seen there because they work from home and, you know, that's their preference, then you may lose that because your leader's not in there and seeing you work and all that kind of stuff. So mm. it's just finding that balance. Yeah. And, and so much of this is making me think about the importance of doing the stuff that's, um, doing this, doing the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. <laughs> and I've talked for such a long time about communicating with deskless workers. Okay. Which for me, is is a is a huge issue in, mm. in organizations, you know, and someone called them the invisible workers the other day, mm. which I think is probably quite accurate. Mm. Because it's easy for us to communicate with people who are at a desk or who are connected. Mm-hmm. It's much harder to think about how you would communicate and engage with someone who is not connected technology-wise to an organization. And for years we have just accepted, certainly in the communications industry, and specifically the internal communications industry, we have accepted that um, communicating with deskless workers is a a huge barrier to to success. And we've accepted that line manager skills is a huge barrier. And we've done nothing about it for Mm -hmm. about 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get on a soapbox now, you can tell. (laughs) Because it's easy not to, you know, because things can carry on and things are fine and things are okay. and And we have just ignored it. And I think what the pandemic has done, like any crisis, will be a catalyst for the change that's needed. And for me, that's partly what this is. This has done is it's kind of said, this isn't okay anymore and we won't accept that. Mm. And in some of the work I was reading, I read a book called The Great Indoors, which is all about how our environments make us feel. So there's different chapters on different locations. There's one chapter which is all about designing buildings for neurodiverse people. And what's interesting in that chapter is it, it basically says that designing something for the minority will benefit the majority. Yeah. And I think that's so often forgotten. You know, the, the person in the book's talking about going and looking around this apartment saying, I want to live here, you know, and they're not neurodiverse. They're saying it's just, it's wonderful. But we don't ever, we design things the other way around yeah. mm-hmm. because we are programmed to do whatever is easier to move on to the next thing. Because certainly in Western cultures, we've got to do it all immediately. Mm. So actually, if we just took a bit more time, spent a bit of time trying to solve some of the harder challenges mm-hmm. and then designed things for 
those audiences, not the easy to reach audiences, then actually I think work would be a very different and a much better place. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And that's where the effort, you know, the, the effort that goes into thinking about something in, in its entirety rather than just saying, oh, we'll just put this piece in place because somebody else has done that. We'll just put that in place. But then thinking of not just, you know, the technology that you need to put in, but thinking about the culture and the type of people that you have in place within the organization. Mm. A bit like what you were saying, Advita, about looking at, well, what's the makeup of our organization and how do we then need to help them so that we can include them as well? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's looking at what does, what does that individual need? Mm. And somebody would say to you, oh, that's going to take us so long to do. But the reality is, if you want a productive and safe culture in your organization you'll take the time to do yeah, it totally. you know because you do what's important right? exactly. that's why we always say busy is you know i always it's say it's not busy. Other things. <laughs> you know you make time for the things that are important yeah, absolutely and that can be anything whether it's whether it's looking at to your point of vita of how do we make things better um for you know women in the workplace underestimated people in the workplace whatever that is you've got to take the time yeah to make that priority and think about it and well sorry sorry quite true no it's just it's just a, it's just that key word what's a priority yeah what's a priority if you're if you're saying that the the the, the different people in the workplace are important to to you talent's important to you then you will you will always make an effort you will mm. always find a way you won't even you won't even yourself ignore the person who's at home because for you it might be oh I've got to add one additional meeting in my diary because now I've got to reach out to somebody who's working from home um, or working flexibly, mm. so the timing's different. So I have to put out an extra effort. Do yeah. I really want to do that? And the the answer is yes. You really should be doing that mm. because that's what that's what you do if you if you say you want an inclusive culture within the organisation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is about understanding the why behind that. Because to Jenny's yeah. point, if it isn't broken, why fix it? Yeah. You know, for for decades we've been speaking about women at board. Right. And it should be 50-50 because 50% of the world is women. But yet we're still having the same conversation since we were allowed to frigging vote. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. it's exhausting to the extent it's like trying to and you know, and I've, we spoke about this offline about being asked to do surveys after surveys and take part in research. And we know the benefits of having an inclusive workforce and the profit margin it can impact. You know, it can it can help businesses thrive to another level. But you're right to your point. It's hard. We're making okay money. We're doing all right. If we ain't broke, why fix it? Mm. And this is the challenges we're facing into. And it is a little bit... And when I read this report in Forbes about women again being disadvantaged from taking opportunities that are supposed to be aligning with the way the world is right now, it did make me feel a bit sad thinking, I can't believe we're still banging on about mm. this, right? And I'm like, nobody should nobody should ever be disadvantaged for having a choice. And to Trudy's point, you know, there is this element of leadership if they, they have to want to want it and they have to understand the why behind yeah. it. And I think there's no accountability in organisations. And I think that's what the challenge is. Yeah. There's no consequences and there's no accountability. Yeah, I hate places without consequences. Yeah, there's no consequences. So if a leader isn't checking in on somebody, then, oh, he hasn't checked in or she hasn't checked in or they haven't checked in. What? Well, then what are you going to do? Well, you know, they're busy. That's what you always get, don't you? Well, they're yeah. busy, yeah. under a lot of pressure. They've got a lot going on. It's not their fault. Yeah, You know, you get all of that. And I'm like, well... I'm not, you know, I'm not saying like get rid of them and shoot them down, but you've got to have consequences here. Like if they don't do what they are being paid to do, then 
surely that needs to be addressed and yeah. has to be consequences in place. Totally. And I think all of what we talk about with diversity, equity and inclusion, which is why another, you know, it is a bit of a controversial view, but I do think that we, the acronym EDIDEI, we put too much emphasis on it. So people think putting a policy out on an EDI is enough. And I think scrap all of that and actually just think about how do we help people belong and thrive? Yeah. Everybody. I'm not talking about underrepresented people, but to your point, if the focus was on the minority, then the advantage will be on the majority. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's important for people to recognise. So we're going to go into maybe a couple of top tips on what people can do. If you are listening and you're like, I really want to make a difference, but I don't know where to start. Or my leaders are not paying attention and I know it's important. Like, how do you get them involved in this a little bit more? And I'm going to go with Trudy because I know you started with some top tips. So maybe mm. it's like, so if, if somebody's listening and they're like, I really want to get in, more involved in this, what do you think they should be doing? What advice do you have? Um, I think the big thing is um, to bring the conversation to the fore, to to, to really raise it as an issue. Um one group that I've I've been exposed to did this thing where they've you know their company is fully remote and one of the things they did was they put in these mini forums online um, where anybody can join anybody can pop in you can say whatever you like in these forums and it allows that conversation to start brewing amongst the staff and it's a simple thing like that that then gave the impression to some that actually they're making an effort. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think do look at the things that you can do to make real efforts towards bringing people together. So if, you, if you're a leader and you're worried about this type of thing, task your HR person, find out a way to, um, to gather people together in whatever means you can and especially target those people who are remote um, and say, do, do you know what? We will never have a meeting where we don't have the element of a remote access so Mm -hmm. that people can be involved as well. Mm -hmm. Because again, that's another thing because you can't exclude somebody because they're not in the room. Mm -hmm. It's just not necessary. It's not necessary because it's not an excuse anymore Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you can, there's always a way to have everybody in the room. So I think it's making that general effort to do that. And the other thing is, do you know what? Like Advita said, scrap the DEI policy and sit down with your people and have an honest conversation about what we need to put in place to make everybody feel like they belong, everybody feel included. How do you want the culture of the organisation to be? And you don't just set that through policies because people write policies and they put them on the shelf. It's how do we want our values to align? How do we want our priorities to align? to the fact that we have different people in the workplace and everybody needs to have a voice and say. Love Those it, are my yeah. two. No, I love them. What about you, Jenny? Um, so whenever people are struggling to get a leadership team engaged or interested in a topic, <laughs> then I always try and um, get people to think about how it links to the business outcomes, which I know might sound, you know, a bit challenging or it might sound really easy. But if you if you start to engage with them talking about the things that that they are focusing on from a from an organization perspective and how you know this needs to be addressed to to fix that mm-hmm. then you start to 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 talk in the language that they will be able to engage with and relate to and understand why to your yeah. point why you're coming and doing it um so i think that's you you've got to think about your positioning and how you can influence and how you can persuade which i appreciate you could be listening to this thinking i shouldn't have to you know, as someone that spent nearly 20 years in internal communications, I still have to <laughs> walk into boardrooms and persuade people that we need to look at communication. Like it's, 
it's something that we all do or we all think we're doing, but we maybe aren't as well as we should. So mm-hmm. there's always going to be that need to persuade. I think outside of that, it's it's making time. Mm-hmm. And I think we're so quick to want to fix things and rush to get things done and have this need for everything to be immediate that we don't take the time to do things properly. And we don't take the time to to think about the impact or take the time to focus on the hard stuff. And that's got to be that's got to be in there because it's easy not to do it. But actually, the benefits of doing that and investing the time will be huge. Um, so that's that's another one. And then I, I suppose the other thing for me is about being intentional, which we talked about a lot in previous episodes and, and seasons after reading Rebel Ideas by Matthew Said, and that need to be really intentional about what you're doing. And I think that's really important. And I, and I could keep going, so I'm going to stop. But, um, <laughs> but being intentional, I think, is really important. Yeah, I agree. Um, and all of them are fabulous. And I read a really interesting book. And if you follow me on social media on LinkedIn, I did a post about it by Inclusion on Purpose by Rashika Tulashian. Um, and she's an American author and she wrote this incredible book about women of colour in specifically. And to Jenny's point before, where if you focus on the minorities and the majority get benefits. And she says, you know, race and gender are one of the, and and, and with, she did acknowledge disability in there, but she race and gender are the two. If you can try, if you can fix that, then you can, the, the organisation can benefit. And she shares some incredible advice and tips in that book. And I highly recommend you, if you're interested in inclusion in the workplace and to Jenny's point, doing it intentionally and on purpose, and this is a book for you. I, I can't recommend it enough. And she talks about uh, the bridge framework in her book, which I'm just going to share. And she said the bridge framework helps leaders understand how to cultivate a growth mindset. And I think that's what mm-hmm. organisations are missing, right? Yeah. Definitely. I think we focus too much on the fixed mindset, but we need to look at the growth mindset. So she says, you know, the bridge is be uncomfortable, to your point. You know, be uncomfortable. Reflect on what you know and what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Invite feedback. I think we don't ask people enough about how are things going? How are you feeling? What can we do to change things? Are you able to thrive in this space? Are you getting the support you need? We don't tend to do that as much as we should be doing. Uh, Defensiveness doesn't help. And that is so true. I think when you're busy, when you've got a lot going on, you are being pressured by every angle going in an organisation. If you're a middle manager, you're getting it from the top and the bottom. If you're a leader, you've got responsibilities. It can get... And when someone then criticises you or says something, or there's a threat of you being tagged as being a sexist or a homophobe or racist or whatever, it, it amplifies in your mind. So you get defensive. Right. So rather than just going, mm-hmm. what am I hearing right now? And why am I hearing this? And what did I do to make this situation worse? And what can I do to make it That's better? That's hard. That it's one. So That's the hardest hard. one. It's yeah. so hard because we all do it. Yeah. I've and done it. naturally, it's nat- natural reaction, you know, all cognitive dissonance in there. Yeah. There's a yep. lot to unpack. There. It is so hard, but it is every single day. It's about understanding that and, and holding. Just we talk about silence, don't we? Just like yeah. letting people listen, that silence, letting it just air in there. And it's uncomfortable again. But it's important because as soon as you get defensive, you get into argument and debate. Yeah. Um, and then grow from your mistakes as well, which is really important again. And then expect that change takes time. Yeah. It's so important. Like when I read this, and we all know this, and when we do change programs, which we all do, that we've all had experience with leaders. doesn't matter what change it is. We've had le- experience with leaders that want it to be sorted within a week. Well, why are they not on board? What's going on here? 
you know, it's a good thing to do though. When we talk about, you know, there's the um, the elephant and the rider analogy, right? Mm-hmm. That people talk about, and you know, the the rider being your kind of rational side, and the elephant being your emotional side. And no matter how rational you're being, the elephant will not budge. Yeah, and that's exactly the same with change, right? So you need to allow people time to process. You need to allow people to understand why it isn't right and why it makes a difference. And I want to read um, a, a quote that Rushika shares in her book, which I just love. And she says, the problem isn't men, it's patriarchy. The problem isn't white people, it's white supremacy. The problem isn't straight people, it's homophobia. Recognize the systems of oppression before letting individual defensiveness stop you from dismantling them. And that is so important mm. because she's Love she's that. right. Yeah. You know, when it isn't about us as individuals, it's about what the society yes. has created. And recognizing that and understanding what is my control and influence and impact I can have in this world I'm in and what difference can I make to people. Yeah, totally. And we can we can all do that. Doesn't matter what level you are in an organization, we can all step up and we can all pay attention to what's being said. And if yep. you feel like somebody isn't getting the access they need, then speak up. Yeah. And say, can we have them in this conversation? Or if somebody's if a woman like often happens has been spoken over, yeah. then say, can I just hear that person's view? Because it's really yeah. important to me. You know, and, and we can all do that. And I think can. that's really important. And, yeah. and that's what we want. This is why I want you to talk about this today is that I know with everything that's going on, especially with the internal comms part, which I know we're all familiar with, is that we are busy. Yeah. And I'm using that word again intentionally. <laughs> and we've got a lot going on with all the noise and you can you can let it slip. But we do have an element as, as in comms and leaders to make a difference. Yeah. And to hold people accountable and give them the, you know, and encourage other leaders and executive leaders to put consequences in place. Yeah, totally, totally yeah. agree. Like yeah, a bit of consequence. Absolutely. We do, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully that was a really useful, it's a bit heavy. <laughs> yeah, it is a heavy topic, but it's an important topic to think about. And I've always said we don't want the light to dim on this, right? Yeah. And we have True. to continue when we all have a sense of responsibility. So do what you can, you know, be be brave, be confident, be courageous. We're all here to support you. We are, you. absolutely are. Yeah, so definitely. DM us on our social channels if you want to ask a question about anything that we've shared, if you just want some thoughts around something you're doing. All three of us are very passionate about this subject and we want to make sure that you get the support that you need. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So we may do a fake ha-ha-ha laugh. At the end of this. <laughs> I think we've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you want to find out more or subscribe to our newsletter, visit camedgerebels.com. We'd love to continue this conversation, so please connect, ask questions, and share your thinking with us. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, under Calm Edge Rebels. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate and review us.